Welcome to the G2K Podcast. This is episode number 14, and I'm here with my good friend, Junior Edgepal. <laughs> you got it, man. There you go. <laughs> How's job. it going, my brother? It's going fantastic. Thank you for having me. I excited. appreciate your time. I appreciate you for coming down and doing this. And mm. um, You're definitely one of the people amongst our community of friends and distant friends that are very inspiring and motivating in terms of like the different uh, things are integrated in and then part of. So mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate you coming on this podcast, and I'm sure we're going to cover some very interesting subjects um, as we get to know you. Oh, man. I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready. You ready? <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Cool. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, so what do I got going on? Right where now? do you begin? So whereabouts have you been raised? Let's, let's start with that. Okay. Uh, so born and raised in Toronto. So there you go. So... Um, been a Toronto boy for literally all of my life. Nice, repping the Raptors uh, cap. Yeah, of yeah. course, gotta represent, right? Yeah. Uh, my parents are Ghanaian, so they're from Ghana, so okay. West Africa. Uh, they immigrated here, uh, my mom was about uh, 26, I wanna say, my dad was about 32. Mm-hmm. And so I'm 32, so you guys can like, you know, do the math and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so first generation, uh, born and raised here, moved up to Brampton for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, for about 10 years, and now I'm back in West Etobicoke. West Etobicoke, nice, yeah. nice. So how do you like living in Toronto so far? Uh, well, I mean, you've been born and raised here, what do you mean, like, do, you ever, do you ever get the craving to venture off into different places around the world, or for someone that's been raised in Toronto? To vacate, yes. To vacate, you know, to, to, to travel, to see what's out there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm biased to Toronto, and um, mm-hmm. and it's because of the amount of traveling that I've got to do so far it makes me appreciate the city so much more. What is it about the city that makes you appreciate it so much? <sighs> if it wasn't for the fact that our lakes are still dirty, <laughs> like <laughs> Toronto would kind of have everything. Yeah. We have. The aspect of the city life, the mm-hmm. aspect of uh, scenery, we'd have the aspect of culture and mm-hmm. diversity. Um, you know, if you did a Toronto winter this year, it wasn't that bad. Like, yeah, it actually wasn't fingers. too bad, yeah. But um, there's just, there's just so much. There's just so much in one place and there's only so like few cities like that throughout the world. That makes sense. Whereabouts around the world have you traveled? Just out of curiosity. Uh, so I've done some of the um, you know Caribbean resort places. So obviously like Cuba, mm-hmm. Mexico. Did a few places in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, some years ago, I got to do Paris and London uh, and Amsterdam a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, I went as far out as Dubai which was uh, quite a few years ago, I went to go visit a friend. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Dubai is what made me love Toronto, Toronto? even more. Because of? Because it's a small Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or I should say that <clears throat> Dubai is a huge Toronto. I see. Basically. Yeah, I think with Toronto, like if the weather here was not cold six yeah. months of the year, this would be the spot. Yeah, it was more idealistic for yeah, sure. Maybe like the beaches and stuff, like you said, the lakes are pretty dirty, but people still go <laughs> swimming still regardless, swim. which yeah, is, so that's, how, that's how you build your immunity, right? You just <laughs> <laughs> dive into the sewage water and then yeah. 
They have. They literally have signs that tell you different levels of. Yeah, uh, of um, I don't even know what you want to call it. Toxicity, toxicity levels. Toxicity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but whatever you gotta do some Wim Hof breathing and <laughs> jump in and boost your immune system. Yeah, you know right? they do uh, have full body suits now if you dare to be that dangerous. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, man, toss your kids in. <laughs> it's just gonna, it's just gonna make Are them that much tougher. Kids allergic to peanuts? <laughs> toss them in Lake Ontario. They won't be allergic yeah, to crap anymore. Yeah. So you grew up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you go? To, what did you go to school for? I want to see. Uh, so high school wise, I went to a school called Archbishop Romero. That's mm-hmm. on the West End, and then for school. I went to Ryerson for four years. I actually went to U of T for about a year and a half, and um, mm-hmm. I got my butt kicked there. You know? U of T? Yeah. I've, I've heard it's tough there. My younger brother's in U of T right now. Oh, Engineering. Awesome. Yeah. And he's, they're sucking the soul out of him. <laughs> <laughs> it is like, uh, I was all the way on the Scarborough campus, and yeah. that place is... No offense to uh, UFT. No, I, apparently <laughs> their, their standards are very high in terms of just doing things in the most difficult way possible. Yeah. But I mean, maybe that filters you. And I think that's what it came down out, to. Yeah. Because I know um, being in high school, like I was, like I was a hotshot. Like, um, like I was an A student. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't developed those study skills those interpersonal skills that would really drive you through right and so uft kind of woke that up in the rudest way Mm -hmm. for me and so when i went to ours i'm like all right it's time to kind of pick Mm -hmm. it up and get back into the habit but so a year and a half in uft and once you went to ryerson it's probably easy breezy free yeah yeah you know what it it kind of was um not because of like not to bash on ryerson but i've heard in comparison the it is but you gotta understand like uft will do something like give you a multiple choice exam and put 25 possible answers on there okay you know so that's where the difficulty comes you could have done the answer right wrong but your mm-hmm. answer shows up ah, okay. so it's kind of like a slap in the face right but uh if there is a weeding out process mm-hmm. Ryerson, the educational part of it was just as hard but i think there is this social aspect of it right that just made it that much easier yeah, that's because you're not spending 24 hours studying and doing <laughs> assignments. In a legit concrete room, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So what did you uh, take in school, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so I took a major in finance, <laughs> and I did a minor in accounting. Nice. Yeah. And is that something you always knew, like in terms of your path, and as where well as you were going to venture off into? Yeah, yeah? like I know like um, within the last year of high school, um, it got to a point where I was still trying to figure it all out mm-hmm. or like what I wanted to do next and I took this mentorship program in high school that was run by UFT mm-hmm. and so you got to spend a few weeks kind of learning how um, university life is like based on your discipline so I took one based in accounting okay. or business I would say and um, so people would come through, they do these presentations, oh, I'm from finance this, or I'm an advisor that, and nothing was really clicking. Mm-hmm. And then one day a bunch of CPAs walked in. So, as, um, well, back then it would have been um, 
uh, a CGA. So, CGA. So certified general accountant. Accountant, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's and it. What, is, what does CPA stand for? CPA Sorry, is Chartered Professional Accountant. Got it. Yeah. So a bunch of CGAs came in and there are just like, you ever see one of those like holy grail moments where the lights just starts flashing down and they just look holier than thou? Yeah. yeah these guys just came in super cheery and super happy. Aww. And what was really cool about them is that none of them were just straight accountants. Like one was an executive of this or director mm -hmm. of that. And they all had the CPA, uh, like the CGA background. And so mm -hmm. when I looked at them, I'm like, yeah, that's it. That is the door opener. Even if I don't have it figured out now, I feel like that's just going to open a bunch of room. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the route that I ended up taking. So for everyone that's listening, Junior is also a DJ. <laughs> so just in case you were like, okay, this guy went the route of punching numbers and doing finance. No, he has a creative outlet. Yeah, for um, sure. So when did you get into that? And like, what was the journey in regards to getting into music? Oh, man. Because that's dope. Like the fact that you're doing something that's, I guess, more corporate official, but at the same time, you're focused on something on the creative end, too, mm -hmm. which I appreciate a lot because a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. Just, they'll just go to work, they'll come home, and pop, and turn it, on Netflix, yeah. and that's it. Mm -hmm. And you can see them slowly deteriorating on the inside. Because they don't have that expressive, yeah. something to release that creativity within them, right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, what's your journey in regards to music? Uh, uh, where could I even start? Because it's actually been pretty... So was this before um, you went to school and university or after, during? There was, uh, I feel like there was many moments in my life that just kind of unlocked it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So the first moment was at at, um, at my school, at my high school, Romero. Uh, I was forced into taking music class. Mm -hmm. So like uh, here in, I'm not sure if it's all of Canada, but in Ontario, you're forced to take uh, music class grade seven and eight. Yeah. And most of that time, like you hate it, you want to let it go mm -hmm. when you get into high school. Uh, but what, what instrument were you playing? The trombone. Trombone? Yeah. Okay. So, um, come grade nine, I'm ready to drop this thing. I don't want to play it anymore, right. but the art class is full. I have to take music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, did you play the trombone all, yeah, all year? Yeah, I okay. did. I did. And, um, you know, at first, you know, you're a rebellious kid. You don't like it, but mm -hmm. I had a fantastic teacher. Mm -hmm. His name is uh, Dr. Mio. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess his band, because he did extracurriculars, mm -hmm. and he needed a trombone player and kind of almost forced me to do it. But it's, I guess it's one of those things where you kind of know it's best for a person. Mm -hmm. And because you have the ability to kind of force it as a teacher, like you just go with it. Right. And like I praise him for that because years after I was hooked, um, I was learning material, I was learning theory, mm. I was playing non-stop, I was doing solos at concerts. No way. Yeah. So you just, you took it to the next level? Uh, yeah. And this was a trombone style? This or was different? still with a trombone. Okay. I remember one of my greatest accomplishments in high school was being able to um, reach out to Dr. Mir, who was, the, who was a piano player. Mm -hmm. and the bass player and the drummer that was in the band and we set up a little um, set up a little band for our solos mm -hmm. uh, during concert time so it was always really cool to kind of have that jazzy feel mm -hmm. and um, actually get to orchestrate it was around that time that I really started to love 
that music mm -hmm. and then um, that is what opened my mind to all other genres right. right like getting to appreciate music in a different way than just say the beats and the lyrics like getting to like being able to break it down and see motifs and saying oh i really like that scale or mm -hmm. or stuff like that really started my appreciation for uh uh soulful r&b for mm -hmm. house music for electro for mm -hmm. trance for for hip-hop and and so that's kind of just where it, it took off and i was always curious so how do i make this stuff right. you know so um, around university times, um, I learned about FL Studios, which I'm sure most Fruity producers, loops. Fruity loops, most producers know about that one, mm -hmm. right? And this is like years ago um, when I started it, and that's where the production aspect started to come in. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always enjoyed recording. I've always wanted to just become better. So were you self-taught, like with Fruity Loops and everything? Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Like this was. This was before like YouTube and Google was the okay. source. You so you're just experimenting, trial and error, okay. Exactly. But you did have that background in terms of understanding yeah. music theory and everything from So I'm I'm blessed that I had that. Right. And that's kinda of what drove me through. That's what I already understood the uh, concepts of bars and measures mm -hmm. and tempos and uh, staying within key and mm -hmm. and just actually really having an ear for it all. Mm -hmm. Um so I started to produce it, and originally it was just like hip hop, you know, R and B. I was producing it with friends of mine, uh, who were also trying to do the same thing, and it was just mm. it was just for fun, right? You know, yeah. you have your pipe dreams as a kid, like, oh my god, we're gonna make it bigger, mm -hmm. right? Um, but that's how it should be, right? You're doing something for the passion of doing it, not expecting results. Exactly. Just, but at yeah. the same time, you know, it's like okay, if something comes of this, like. Yeah, we went, yeah. But that's where legends and people that are very good, that's where it stems from. Like, you're mm -hmm. just doing it for the sake of, I love this art form and mm -hmm. I want to put my own flavor in there. Yeah, yeah. So, so then, yeah, you guys, you said a bunch of your friends. So we started, um, at least I started to uh, mess around with production a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great up to a certain point and at this point in my life I had moved to Brampton now Okay. and uh, there wasn't much of my friends out there. I had one friend out there, his name's um, Anthony, mm -hmm. um, DJ Dirty Noise. Okay, so right? he actually became an official DJ? Yeah, so he had been doing it for a while okay. and back then there was nothing to do so we'd hang out in a vacant parking lot and he'd just be like, listen to these tracks. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and like, obviously, like, we're probably like decently ripped at the time. So we're just chilling with these, tra these tracks. Mm -hmm. and, and these were early electro house music. So okay. like 2007 electronic music. Mm -hmm. And it was blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. Like this stuff is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. and, um, and knowing that he got to DJ, then my next step was, how do I DJ this stuff, right? right. Like, how do I get to mix it? Like, I already know I can produce it. Mm -hmm. It just takes practice. But like, mm -hmm. I feel like the fandom comes from, from just being able to mix it as right. well. Um, and so that's what really sparked my interest in being able to mix. Mm -hmm. And it was a few years later that I bought my first uh, controller, mm -hmm. which is the same controller you might have ever seen if you ever saw me DJ, and I carry that thing with me everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what started the mixing and 
back in the day, all I could do was mix house because that's all I needed <laughs> to do. Um, so what was the process like in terms of uh, mixing house? So you got your uh, controller and mm -hmm. then you get specific software for that. So you have to learn everything. Pretty much. Like yeah. you had to learn, you really had to learn being able to coordinate the visual, which is on your laptop, mm -hmm. with um, what was happening audio-wise. Mm -hmm. Like, mind you, DJs at the time, when it came to their hardware, they didn't have controllers, they didn't have the option of a laptop. Most of their stuff came on a small monitor. Right. And so that's kind of like the segregation between the purists and the laptop users. Right, right, right. But, um, so they would toss vinyls on and change on the fly? It would be the their fly. vinyl, or it'd be basically my controller but in hardware, so a separate mm -hmm. piece of for the mixer, and then the CDJs on each side. Ah, uh, gotcha. Right? And so you would actually feed CDs in there. Mm -hmm. You know, and then later on you'd be able to plug your... USB that was a few years later down. It must have been so hectic <laughs> mixing songs back then. But then, then it, was it was like a different style. It though, was right? purest form and then once you were good at it, you were good at it. You right. didn't have to worry about, oh my god, I can't see my screen. Like mm -hmm. at that point if your other senses hadn't heightened yet in regards to the mixing world then mm -hmm. then you pretty much better call it a day, right? But um so that was really the process just being able to mix I think the trickiest thing for me is um, just being able to blend songs mm -hmm. very well like I wanted it to make it seem as if you had no idea that other track was coming in right. or that that whole that other track had been playing the entire time and you didn't Got know it. like that was something that I got from my friend Anthony that was what he liked to do and so I kind of just took that on yeah it's a pretty crazy art form yeah it really is and then but yeah you'd so when you're blending songs and stuff, you mean in terms of overlaying specific songs or merging them in a transitionary way? Both. Both? Okay. Both, yeah. So um, the thing I love about house music, and don't get me wrong, like later on, like I learned how to mix basically everything else. Mm -hmm. But the thing I loved about house music is that for an extended period of time, you can loop the best part of one song mm -hmm. and overlay it over the other. Mm -hmm. And the whole time as people listen to it, they think it's a completely new entity. Mm -hmm. While in fact it's, you know, it's just you being super creative, but it allows mm -hmm. you the freedom to do that. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, other genres, like think about hip-hop, for example, there's always so long that you can mix or overlay one part of the song right. over the other one before it's just, alright, this is getting repetitive, or mm -hmm. when is this going to drop, or like... I've been, when's he gonna start rapping, like that kind of thing. That's dope too, like a chef when it comes to music and the way you hear everything is like different flavors and ingredients <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. oh shit, I'm gonna add some more salt and spices here. Yeah. But that's cool. Um, so after that, so now you're an official DJ, like how, how so, long have you been doing that for? Like when did you get your first gig and how my, did that feel? Oh man, my first gig <clears throat> was... I want to say it's either going to be 2015 or 2016. So I'm mm -hmm. still like, I've been producing for so long. And then finally with one of my more decent accounting jobs, I was able to save up and get a controller. Mm -hmm. um, so my first gig was 2016. Just out of curiosity, how much does a controller go for? Oh, snap. Newer mm -hmm. ones nowadays will probably go for maybe under two G's. Two grand. Oh, That's shit. A, like a brand new one. I got mine used mm -hmm. uh, and paid about maybe eight fifty for it. Mm -hmm. But then again, this is like two thousand sixteen. Right? That's fairly decent. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
So yeah, and at the end of the day, like, controller doesn't work without a laptop. Mm -hmm. So that's why so you need a that laptop. compared to hardware, hardware right. can be in the, like, high grands kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first gig? So first gig. So um, first gig was actually, um, it was the Light It Up event in Markham. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, um, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's basically, it's an outdoor summer festival um a lot of like uh asian flair mm -hmm. and we had one friend you might have met her uh sylvia she's the one who painted the mm -hmm. live painting at mm -hmm. the uh at the show that i got you to work with me on mm -hmm. so she was doing um basically an art shop mm -hmm. um teaching people to paint and we were her her music people Dope. so in between sessions we would play uh, weird, weird mix. And so when I say we, I say myself and my friend Ryan, mm -hmm. who was also the DJ at that same event. And um, he's actually the one that got me my first gig. Like at this point, I was creating mixes. I was just posting them online, but I wasn't getting mm -hmm. gigs or anything. And one day he heard it and he's just like, hey, next gig that I go to, you want to come with? Mm -hmm. And that was history. Like that was the beginning the of our partnership. A surreal experience. It really yeah. was. I didn't think it would come. You know what? I'm sorry. I take that back. My first gig was the day before that. Okay. At King Rusted. Okay. Which is right now it's at King and it's near Strong. King and Strong. Yeah. yeah. I've had. They have some bomb burgers there. Oh man, but, I love that place. Yeah. I absolutely love that place. Um, so that was my first gig. I didn't know they have. So they changed it into like a bar vibe or. Yeah, they actually used to be at the, so right now they're at the southwest corner. They mm -hmm. used to be at the northeast corner. Okay. And so that was a little bigger of a, of a venue. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I played at that new one too. Okay. And so, yeah, it kind of just turns into um, kind of like a seated bar kind mm. of vibe like you can still order and everything but there's going to be live music i didn't know that. that i thought it was just a restaurant to be honest no yeah. king rustic i adore that place man yeah. I, I love the the vibes there are nice yeah, yeah and the many vibes they can pull up mm -hmm. yeah so um that was my first gig mm -hmm. and um and yeah i wouldn't have gotten that without uh, narayan so uh yeah shout out to narayan shout out to word street social shout out to narayan yes the dope yeah. dope really good man thank you for thank you for my first gig and really helping me start so when did you start venture. playing at clubs uh um, like events outside of that so i think the first time that we played for an event and this was a thing like we we had gotten or at least i had gotten gigs from like here and there mm -hmm. um but what i've always wanted to do is throw my own party okay yeah, you know, I felt like there was a lot more creativity. Uh, oh, you're, you're not restric restricted to. And you're not yeah. restricted. Yeah. And again, my friend Ryan, as well as uh, my friend Samia and Zoe, mm -hmm. uh, we basically kind of game together and we did our first Halloween party um, in 2016. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, at this club called Populous. And I don't think it's open right now. Mm -hmm. But it was like a club club, like that's so uh, that used to be a house music venue. Okay. And so um, we had the creative freedom to do whatever we wanted. We planned this thing, uh, any contests that were going on, the mm -hmm. decor, and we sold out. Mm -hmm. You know, my 
first event that I ever got to be a part of planning, like, sold out. Mm -hmm. Like, it would take me, like, 10 minutes to walk from the DJ booth to the washroom. Mm -hmm. You know, just trying to fight through the crowd. Like, there was nothing more rewarding and frustrating, <laughs> like, at the same time. Mm -hmm. But um, that was, that was, that was what sparked being able to do events. Mm -hmm. uh, now it was on people's radar that, hey, um, this person can DJ at a bar, this person can do an event. And so it's been kind of, it's been pretty random. And then all, like during this entire time, you're doing your regular nine to five as well. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> for so sure. Kudos to you, that's dope. Thanks. So that must have been a surreal feeling in terms of like, cause you're pretty much, like when it comes to DJs, you're like the, what are those guys called in an orchestra? The, you're literally making the entire club jump up and down and that must be yeah. a surreal uh, feeling. That was what I think really, so on top of my friend really inspired me about house music in general. Mm -hmm. It was around those times where I started to go to like- um, Specific like, events. Yeah, yeah, like house DJ events and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the thing that always fascinated me is uh, like the DJ would just be up there and he was like, a god to these people yeah, you know? just and, to say. and but not even like cocky about it you know because mm -hmm. you look at up you look up at the dj and that dj's having just as much fun as you are mm -hmm. and so there was a thought in my mind i'm like these people have, get paid to have that much fun like <laughs> i get yeah you're traveling and right. all that stuff but literally if you're up to it you're getting paid to have fun and play music mm -hmm. and people like bow down to you and mm -hmm. it's not even a cockiness thing it's like you want to be that source of other people's joy mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's what got me hooked. Like, I want to make people dance. I want to make them enjoy themselves. Who's your favorite DJ? Uh, or does it change and fluctuate with time? It changes and fluctuates, uh, but I think the most consistent ones right now. Uh, so Cascade's probably going to be forever my favorite. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he can be on the electro side of things and then go into deep house right into his next album. Mm -hmm. and, and both of it is good enough. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the DJs that I like right now aren't really DJs, they're more producers. So people like mm -hmm. Tronada mm -hmm. and, and Snake Hips mm -hmm. and uh, Joe Hertz and people like that who have this kind of, um, I don't even know what you want to call it. I call it hip hop electronica. Okay. But I'm sure there's a better genre name for it. But um, yeah, those those are my faves, and it it changes kind of based on my mood, but it's mm -hmm. always going to be electronic related. It's actually pretty crazy when you think of electronic music in general, because I didn't know this up until I took a master class, the Dead Mouse one. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, so I was learning how to use Ableton, and so I have a brief understanding, and that's like my pipe, like future dream as well, getting into <laughs> pr production of that kind of stuff, just for fun. Nice. Uh, but yeah, electronic music is called electronic music because everything that's analog is from electricity. Mm -hmm. Like all of the, the little gadgets and knobs they have, it's literally a pulse, like a specific uh, electric input. Mm -hmm. And they distort the sound of that buzz sound, which turns into unique custom like uh, electronic music. So it's yeah. literally electric, you're listening to the sounds of electricity being manipulated by different analog machines, then, which is fucking crazy <laughs> right like I, then like when i was like taking the class and i was taking notes and listening to everything i'm like what the f like that's why it's called electric 
Yeah. Like electronic music, because it's not strings or a guitar, and not a lot of people know that. I I don't think. Like, yeah. So, and then even thinking about that, it's like that's you're making people jump up and down, and like uh -huh. giving them all these emotional, like these feelings of goosebumps and like euphoria based yeah. off of a sound that's from electricity yeah because you know what yeah. there's a there's a bunch of instruments out there that will probably get the bass factor of it but when you can just control it mm -hmm. and if you get it to the right point where it ripples in your chest like there's no better sensation like i'm sure we're all accustomed to driving down the street and our car window up with the volume all the way yeah. blast because we just we just fall in love with that right, groove right. regardless of what kind of genre it is i think it's in our human nature to dance and listen is, to music man. make music whistle hum all that kind of stuff different vibrations right uh -huh. well that's that's sick so dj accounting and then yeah you're part of another organization you mentioned earlier as well yeah, you want to touch base yeah. on that uh, so I've been doing seminars, courses with Landmark Education, mm -hmm. and um, Landmark is, it's a personal development and personal training course that mm -hmm. really enables you to have anything that you want in life by being able to, well, there's various uh, outlets of doing that, mm -hmm. but the main one that they really step on is um, being able to assess your way of being mm -hmm. like who are you being in this situation and and what do you and who do you want to be preferred so this is, is in regards to people's ambitions and outlook on life in general or specific things like career or I think it can be the thing I like about it is that it can be applied to basically every any, avenue of life every okay. avenue um, and what it really is about and I guess I should be a little more integrous about this, mm -hmm. is that they're more, it's about being able to reveal blind spots in your life, things that you didn't know have an effect mm -hmm. on you mm -hmm. or have had an impact. And then in the face of that, creating uh, what's called a possibility, which mm -hmm. is generally a way of being okay. in that situation. So can you give me an example of a specific scenario or a situation? Yeah, or I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about my first scenario. Okay, so then, <laughs> So my first, my first aha moment, mm -hmm. um, I was, uh, I was just taking the landmark forum. So that's like a weekend workshop okay. before you do anything else that the program leaves available to you, mm -hmm. you, um, you gotta do this workshop. Okay. All right. So at that time in my life, I was, I was relatively young, uh, but I was pretty stressed out. I felt like I wasn't where I should have been in life mm -hmm. at that age and I was really comparing myself hard to my friends who So how old were you at this time? Just I wanna say twenties I wanna say twenty-eight. Okay. Twenty-seven, twenty-eight, yeah. Um maybe even a little older, but it wasn't yeah, it's twenty-seven, twenty-eight, that sounds mm -hmm. good. And um you know, like the world had kind of occurred to me like you're partying with your friends and then you wake up the next day and your your friend's a manager and I'm like, I thought we were partying, mm -hmm. you know? And then you kind of look around and you realize that everyone's kind of like gone on the next stage of life. Right. And it's not that you're lazy or, or don't care about that stuff. It's mm -hmm. just that you didn't 
it wasn't cognizant to you mm -hmm. or cognizant to me. And so me not being where I wanted to be or thought that I should be in life made every day that much more stressful because I felt like I had to utilize it mm -hmm. to its fullest. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't, it caused a little bit of depression. I know exactly how that and, feels. Yeah. And it created anxiety as if I'm running out of time. Mm -hmm. You know, so you had both the elements of depression and anxiety. And I got to be responsible. Mm -hmm. It's not like something that I was clinically tried for, but right. you know the field. I think everybody yeah. goes through a, a little bit of anxiety and depression. Some people sink deeper into that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, but we all have different ways of how we cope with those emotions that arise. Yeah. Um, okay, so sorry to interrupt. Can so um, at this point, it was actually getting to a point where I didn't know how to get out of this. And mm -hmm. it was like, I can't take one more day of this mentality. So were you working nine to five at the same time? Yeah. You were DJing as well? Uh, I was probably still producing it. No, okay. no, I was DJing at okay. that time. Yeah. So even though you were working nine to five, you had your creative outlet, you still had these feelings that were eating away at you. Yeah, because even when it came to the nine to five, it was like I should be higher, higher in my than, career. Okay. Even when it came to the DJ, and it's just like I should be getting a lot more gigs. Mm -hmm. I should be more active in my music. Mm -hmm. So every day that I didn't utilize it, it felt like a day wasted. Right. And that vicious cycle started to become pretty bad, especially mm -hmm. when I kind of knew I had all the tools in the toolbox to be successful mm -hmm. and I just was not doing it. So you weren't getting that breakthrough moment. Yeah. So then you sought out this organization? So yeah, a friend of mine uh, had told me about it. Mm -hmm. um, her name's Aurelia. She had done it. She. Um, and uh, I went to a workshop, not a workshop, like a closing night. So I guess the program had just ended and mm. then their last night they can invite people. Mm -hmm. And so all the stuff that this person was saying about, you know, being in this vicious cycle, everything was just hitting home. And mm -hmm. like, I got to give this thing a try. Mm -hmm. So fast track, I'm in the workshop on the second day. And the thing I love about Landwork is that it asks or requires you to kind of look at the impact that your certain ways of being have had, not only on yourself, but more on other people, mm -hmm. people who are most precious in your life. Mm -hmm. And so every time they push them, I'm like, I don't get this stuff, man. Like, I'm here for me. Like, what does it matter my relationship with my mom or, right. or, or with my cousin or my coworkers? And so finally I got up and I told them my situation, you know, mm -hmm. the anxiety, depression, the vicious circle. And then I was like, or lead, He's like, so um, uh, what's the impact like in the household? You know, mm -hmm. when you come home, and I'm like, again, with this stuff. But you know what? I paid for this thing. Let's do All it. Right. And so he's like, what are you, what's the impact on your mom, per se, mm -hmm. when you're deep in the circle? And I think right when he asked, when I was about to say the answer, it hit me. I'm like, oh, crap. <sighs> Every day I come home, yeah. and my mom asks me, how am I doing? Yeah. And I say, fine. And I walk up to my room. Right. And in that moment, I realized the impact. I'd been lying to my mom for years, mm -hmm. like lying to her face, you know. And and so and the other side was, well, what do you think the impact on your mom is? Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, crap, again, she must she probably feels like she hasn't created an environment where her children can share freely with her. Right. And. What mom would ever want to feel that way? That's probably very stressful. Yeah. Puts them in a weird headspace. Yeah, right? because I always say, like, 
you're most transparent to the people closest to you. And so, like, my mom must have seen this. My Mm -hmm. dad must have seen this. Like, what Mm -hmm. I was feeling, but I just wasn't saying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I had realized I had been inauthentic. Mm -hmm. I was being truly inauthentic with the people around me. I wasn't letting, I wasn't telling anybody anything. And Mm -hmm. I had also created this story. And I guess I discovered what the story was. They asked you, okay, if that's the person that you want to have a breakthrough with, you better call them during the break. So I called my mom and I told her exactly the same story, depression and Mm -hmm. feeling like there was this bar I was supposed to reach. And my mom's like, listen, there is nobody expecting anything from you. Like there, you know, like when, when, how does she phrase it? She's like, you are where you're supposed to be right now. Mm -hmm. Whenever my friends... like brag about their children like Mm -hmm. I stay quiet Mm -hmm. because I know when your time comes like it's just gonna outshine them all Mm -hmm. and in that conversation I realized that I created this bar Mm -hmm. I created this expectation that I should have been somewhere where I'm not right now so I'm actually responsible for the way that I'm making myself feel Mm -hmm. and um, and so that's what that's kind of what blew it up. So the blind spot was that I'm the one that was creating this expectation. Right. You know, and it wasn't coming from external. It wasn't people expecting things of me. It wasn't like society expecting me to be a certain place at this time. Mm-hmm. Like I had created all those things. And so the way of being that we generated or the possibility, at least in that moment, was was ease and self um, peace of mind Mm -hmm. you know that there wasn't anywhere that I had to go that life can literally just flow and you're in the right spot right yeah so that was the way of being that I took on and then throughout this program there's been a bunch of ways of being that created yeah man it all boils down to being present at the end of the day right like being in the the current moment doing what you can in this present moment to the best of your ability and then whatever else follows follows through you don't have control over what happens six months from now Mm -hmm. or things that have happened in the past you can just learn and move on from that but a lot of times like you mentioned it's like we're so blind to see that um we are at fault in terms of the expectations we hold or the comparisons we have and it's just a state of mind or a mindset in which uh, how you approach things and your perspective and outlook on how you perceive everything. Mm-hmm. And once you can alter that, you become the master of your reality, right? Yeah, for sure. And then whatever you want to set your mind to, you realize, okay, I can do whatever I can today. doesn't matter where I land, whatever, a year from now, five years from now, whatever mm-hmm. comes, comes. And like you mentioned, a lot of people go through this uh, type of depression and anxiety because it's the city life at the end of the day yeah. everyone you ask is like what are you doing like what do you have planned uh what what are you a part of or mm-hmm. it's just the constant rat race in the sense that's what it is but um obviously you're not going to be happy because you're always projecting into the future yeah for sure um but yeah, if you pause and you look back at all of your accomplishments and realize that 
even people that are above you in terms of where you want to be in life, you can use those as a, as inspiration and motivation, right? Mm-hmm. And I brought this up in uh, previous podcasts as well. Like if you see some guy that's like I don't know, uh, a massive bodybuilding like guy at the gym, right? You can you can be like, okay, fuck my life, I'm never gonna reach that. Or you yeah. can be like, yo, brother, like, how do I attain this? Like, teach me the ways. Mm-hmm. And then so when you approach life in a way where you're a student and you're always learning and even if you fail you get up and brush your shoulders off and you continue learning and grinding mm-hmm. without having the expectations like you mentioned before of like being in a specific place then things you do have that sense of ease and that calm of mind and that you become more present and then the process of how you do everything it is that you want to do becomes more enjoyable yeah Right, and then that's where the gold comes from, right? Because like, if you're stressed and you're like, okay, I need to make this song or I need to do this, it becomes there's anxiety associated with it, mm-hmm. and then your performance is not gonna be as enjoyable. Like that's why some people, a lot of people say this, like don't get into a career where it's your job. And I'm like, why wouldn't you want that? Like that's amazing, right? Yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> but that's only if you're in an autopilot state where you become redundant and you think of it in that way, right? Because mm-hmm. even the career we're in, like I'm in, it's a creative field and I love to do what I do and I'm aware of that in the present mind but even when it becomes redundant it's like, okay, these, these moments will pass but there are moments that, where I can see that um, I'm doing this and I'm getting paid for it and this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's having that sense of awareness and not projecting or comparing and having specific expectations because at the end of the day, you can do whatever is in your own power to, I don't know, if you want to do something on the side, like if your work becomes redundant, you have the options of doing something on the side and fulfilling those creative passions, those fires that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it all boils down to being cognizant and introspective and realizing that uh, you forget Give yourself, first and foremost, for feeling the way that you do. And yeah. then go from there and be like, all right, let's be the student in life. Let's dance through this experience rather than being like, fuck, I'm not where I want to be. Because uh-huh. where you want to be is never going to come because that where you want to, the future doesn't exist in a sense, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, ready play like you have to be ready for whatever life throws at you and you have to be in a grounded position where you're not reacting to everything or right? mm-hmm. more like doing everything from a like thinking about it as like okay this is good for me I'm gonna invest my time and energy and enjoy the process and that's really what it that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to like all of that is mm-hmm. is a way of being at the mm-hmm. end of the day right like being grounded you know mm-hmm. being open mm-hmm. being accepted um <laughs> Um, because I think a lot of the times I've noticed a lot of times where my complaints about life are on a full-time high is when Mm -hmm. I haven't concluded Mm -hmm. how I want to be in this situation or Mm -hmm. even assessed how I'm being in this situation because I've um, really like you were saying I feel like that is the element of being is kind of the gateway Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to have the things that you want rather than thinking about the things that you want as as the end goal end points yeah because that's regardless of what it is starts to sound materialistic mm-hmm. you know even if it's 
I want a good family at the end of at the end of the day. Like a good family is a material thing. Right. And yeah. you're approaching it from a lack of like you don't have it already. Exactly. You might have a good family, you're yeah. just not aware of it. Yeah, and that and that would that would be a blind spot for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some techniques and methods that you use yourself in regards to getting yourself out of that mindset? Do you have like reminders set for yourself or do you just like are you introspective in the sense of breaking everything down and being like uh, uh so there's a few things okay uh so one which i'm surprised i turned off i gotta start turning it on because it was so good to me mm -hmm. um i put a reminder in my phone that goes off at 10 o'clock each day saying mm -hmm. basically how are you being today mm -hmm. what's your possibility mm -hmm. and so it kind of sets the day straight mm -hmm. for how I want to be so I can be how I want to be intentionally mm -hmm. rather than it just being a fluke of the moment or being knocked off tilter because somebody said the wrong thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so there is that. And, um, I think, I think I've become, I think I've become aware enough just because of this work that one, I can feel what it's like to hit a certain level of frustration or complaint to be like, okay, it's time for an assessment, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to sit down. And, and then sometimes you don't catch yourself. Sometimes you can be in your own shit for the entire day. Right. You know, but um, I've gotten a lot better on it not having to take an entire day before I have to self-assess. Right. And it really becomes a practice thing, just being able to, being able to distinguish if these are like true thoughts that I'm generating mm -hmm. or if it's just functions of the mind. Right. Because, and if the mind becomes too loud, then it's probably time for an assessment and probably time to assess how you're being right now. Right. So all of this that you mentioned is like pretty much like self-reflective meditation in a sense where you're yeah. breaking everything down, analyzing what's in your best interest and letting go of what's not. Yeah, uh, it, it, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if you, so in Landmark, there's a bunch of, let's say, column step-by-step ways of being to obs um, assess your complaints, mm -hmm. or obsess uh, your frustrations, mm -hmm. and just being able to get at a point about what is it that you're being inauthentic about. Mm -hmm. So, um a lot of what Landmark's about is being able to identify what you're being inauthentic about mm -hmm. and then creating the possibility to, to or creating a way of being able to assess that. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm doing the self, let's just call it self-thought, right. it's usually... Uh, what am I, what am I being inauthentic about? Mm -hmm. You know, I usually ask that question. So just recently, like uh, a few weeks ago, like my complaints for the last few weeks have been at its highest. And it wasn't only till I started taking the class again that I had to ask myself, okay, what am I being inauthentic about? Mm -hmm. So one of the things was about um, music, for example. Okay. And I'm like, I want to, I just want to do more for the sake of doing more for my hobby for my passion, but I can't figure out why I wasn't doing it. So in that moment, it's usually like, okay, maybe there's an authenticity going on, what's going on? And so in this class, I started to list them, and I was like, oh crap, there's a lot of inauthenticities mm. here. One of them being, um, I don't 
I don't, there's this thought in my mind that I will never get to the level that I want to get to with my music. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, if you've ever watched The Matrix, when he, uh, when Morpheus asked Neil to jump the buildings. And you don't believe. And he doesn't believe. Yeah, right. So even though his, he gave it a try, mm-hmm. he still ended up falling. Right. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like forcing your body to do something that in your mind you don't believe right. is possible. I love how you made that reference. It's my favorite movie of all time. Oh, and and I there's so many golden quote, I love like, quotes. I that movie, bro. Like, it's top five for me just because yeah. there's so many philosophical references. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if they intended to do that. No, there's... But. So the cast of that, everybody that was playing a role in that movie had to read... Like, there's, like, three or four books, and it was all about philosophy. No and, way. Like, So there were... It was, uh, they were obligated to read these books before they can even start okay. acting just so they get an understanding and a feel for like and it was all about um just philosophy what's real what's not like mindset related stuff and mm-hmm. just, but no i absolutely agree with uh, what you're saying and it's at the end of the day it's that sense of perfectionism yeah right and if That's you're exactly not it. perfect you don't start and then you procrastinate and make excuses because like you mentioned deep down inside you're like i'm not worthy of pursuing this goal because mm-hmm. uh there's already people that are better than me and or i'm not good enough that's that's it man and that's, that's, that's our it. monkey brain right there like yeah. that's 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 the primal side of us right because everybody's like that and that we want that instant gratification unless but when you look at everybody that's successful they've put in god knows how, how many hours of work sure, they put yeah. in time but we see the end result most of the time yeah. So in our minds, it's like, okay, um, that guy's gotten to where he's at just because he's talented or whatnot. But mm. they don't see all the work put in prior to. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's... So. Um, so that was that was one of the inauthenticities. Mm-hmm. So while so basically, the, I'm pretending that I'm all gung ho about this music stuff that I want to do these projects that I want to get it all done. But in the background, what I'm mm-hmm. hiding is that I'm too scared to make the first move mm-hmm. because I don't think I'll see that end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm too concerned about what other people would think mm-hmm. if I were to quit. So, so no, no, I should have got, I should have gotten that. No, it's okay. <laughs> There's some weird drilling sounds in the background. Sorry, continue. Um, I'm too cons. I don't share these passions because. In the background, there's also a concern that if I quit, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be leaving a weird impression with the people I try to share these things right. with. They're, and that's a background concern. Right. And then I think one of the biggest one, the biggest inauthenticity is that if I, if I do this thing and then I quit, I have to start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And... The amount of time that I invested in the first round has to be reinvested, and that's when that anxiety starts to kick in. Mm-hmm. It's just like, bro, you're running out of time. You've tried this route like six, seven times. You tried right. this music project thing six, seven times, and but it's inauthentic because that's it's, it's not true. Up. Right? It's not true at all. It's but, just you. We're very prone to stay within our comfort zones too. That's another thing. That's it. Yeah. But if you 
continuously try to push those boundaries like where those comfort zones are it's almost like a circle it'll stretch out further and further mm-hmm. and you start doing things that whatever five years ago you wouldn't even fathom the thought of uh, approaching it or initiating yeah um but yeah, it's the mentality and like the state of being like you were mentioning earlier it's like when you realize that discomfort arise you the way i personally think of it is okay these are growing pains mm-hmm. this is a challenge this is how i know i'm stepping out of my comfort zone and if i'm able to conquer this resistance per se um the next time i do it the next five times i reach the same uh headspace it's gonna be easier to conquer mm-hmm. and then there'll be other obstacles but that state of mind in which you realize that these things are all penetratable, like you can break through and then that's where you grow and you level up and you become better at whatever it is that you're working on. Yeah. Um, rather than getting scared and be like, fuck, like, I don't like this feeling. And then you go into that downward spiral of uh, making excuses. Because yeah, we're all guilty sure. of that, right? Yeah. It's in the, especially in the creative field. Uh, no matter what it is, it's like getting it started is always the hardest part because your mind likes to be like, is this going to be good enough? Uh, what am I doing? Am yeah. I, like, what are people going to say? And, mm-hmm. like, um, and I mentioned this on a podcast with Jason too because we did daily artwork pieces and that was the whole uh, concept behind it. Behind that is like getting over the fact of uh, that thought process where your primal brain is like, your ego is like, Am I putting something out there that's good and represents me? Uh-huh. And that perfectionism mindset. Where it's like you kind of break that neurological pattern where you keep doing daily pieces. Yeah. And then yeah. You, you put it out no matter what. Even if it's a shit piece, you mm-hmm. just put it out there. And you kind of hack into your mind and be like, okay, get used to this uncomfortable feeling. Because like, okay, the first five to ten pieces might be okay. The 11th one might be fucking sick. Mm-hmm. And then 12 to 15 might be shit. But then the 17th one is like your gold thing that makes you blow up or whatever. But if you're in that headspace where you're staying within your comfort zone, you wouldn't even have started the first project, yeah. right? <laughs> That's so and true. then, so it's like, when you start to realize these patterns, you can kind of hack into it and realize, mm-hmm. uh, like in the Matrix, it's like you you, you take that red pill. You're like, I'm the one. I'm gonna be player one. Oh, I, I can, man. I can, I can, so I can uh, <laughs> conquer whatever it is that my mind puts, my mind tries to go because I am the master, right? Like yeah. being being conscious, and not being autopilot, and just reacting to everything. Yeah, for sure. So, and then there's different methods in which you can practice being present and aware, like meditation, even what you do, like reflecting on specific things and analyzing and breaking everything down and being like, okay, I don't need this, this, and this. Uh These are all lies that I'm telling to myself. And then waking up from the matrix and being like, let's get this shit started. Man. Yeah. Uh, That's... What was your favorite one out of the three? Uh... Like out of the three, like main character? No, the three matrixes. So there's matrix. Oh, it's always gonna be one. One, yeah. It's always gonna be one. Two and three were okay. <laughs> because you couldn't get philosophical after that. Like yeah. after that point, two and three is just like, yeah, now we gotta. You didn't just like that action. giant rave scene in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that was so typical of uh, yeah. that era. <laughs> yeah, I was watching it. I'm like, is this a Matrix? 
I'm so I'm so oh, confused. What's going on here? A bunch of sweaty people in a cave jumping up and down. Hey yeah, man, they they're in their primal state. Machines yeah. have broken them down. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I love that movie, and I love yeah. that movie because I like I make so many comparisons between mm. that and like the stuff that I've learned. You know, like yeah. for me, my Morpheus is. Uh, learning about landmark mm -hmm. you know there's this institution out there saying that this world that this world that you're in is not the real world and the world it's that we're in is the one that we project and, and inherited and created all these stories mm -hmm. and these ways of being like a lot of our ways of beings have been inherited from our parents and and it just keeps going back and back and so mm -hmm. you never had a chance from being born mm -hmm. to like fully create something new for yourself you should read a book called The Four Agreements because it touches base on that. Okay. Like it tells you that we, when we're born, we agree to a bunch of stuff because we're naive. Like you're around uh -huh. your parents, you're like, they're like, okay, uh, these are the rules, these are the regulations, these are our ideologies, this is our faith. And then these are all agreements you make. You're like, yeah, this is right. But then as you get older, you realize, okay, there's other agreements out there and like what's the right way of thinking about things okay and uh realizing that it's all bullshit at the end of the day <laughs> that's what sets you free because yeah. then you're open to not being closed-minded and when you once you have an open mind and you're able to explore all these different avenues of uh thinking about things that's when you be can you have the potential to become the strongest version of yourself because you're not limiting yourself in the confines of a small um just like a headspace, right? Uh -huh. And unfortunately, like other generations, older generations, parents, different cultures, they get stuck in that. And yeah, for sure. It's hard to, I don't know, like it's hard to deal with those type of people, especially in situations. Like, for example, if I was to tell my parents I'm depressed or have anxiety, they'll go over their head. They'll be like, what is that? Yeah, yeah, um, I get that. They go pray or something like, <laughs> like <laughs> anxiety. They're like, they're like uh, back back home. There's like we left like crazy situations. You should be happy here, and it's, they they wouldn't understand the concept of those things because in their minds they have these set agreements and ideologies that, and even they might be suffering through that, but they ignore those things because their mindsets are so concrete and yeah, like closed yeah. in specific things which is unfortunate in some cases, but I think uh, the internet in general has opened the minds of so many people and it's a blessing. Yeah, I think it really, and it really is. It's the information age and anything that we want to learn or search or like if you want idols or people to look up to, there's like so many people out there were connected in such a immense way, which is dope. Mm -hmm. and like... And even the fact that we live in the city in Toronto, wherever, like pursuing things outside of the realm of things, like back in let's say ten, twenty years ago, if you wanted to become a DJ, yeah, it would have been much harder. Oh yeah. In comparison to like now, where I can literally YouTube and learn software, I don't even need to go to school. Uh -huh. right? and there's a, most likely a lot of the young DJs have learned that way, right? Where they just picked it up on their own. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're blessed to live in, to be living in this uh, day and age, and I don't know, things are probably gonna get much crazier in the next hundred to two hundred years. But I can't even. Still, know. being a part of this, uh, 
as everything is exponentially getting more and more advanced, it's pretty cool seeing how it, how things are going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of, uh, do you think we're going to wake up, plug into something in, in the pod? <laughs> have, you seen I, the, have you seen the Animatrix? I have, but it's been so long. Yeah, that's worth the it rewatch. It has been so long. Yeah, especially if you take some herbs and spices. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, really good. I do remember Animatrix. Um, it's been it's been so yeah, long. The Matrix and the Animatrix are my two top like favorite movies in regards to philosophy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Animatrix goes into the history of prior to the Matrix's existence. Oh, interesting. Um, it must have been so long. Huh? But it's like six or seven different animation styles, and they all tell a different story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's one that's pretty fucking sick. If people people can search it up on YouTube if they're interested, it's like a track athlete and he's trying to break a record do you remember that one yes i do it's fucking sick and every time he gets like top speed he's like slowly breaking yeah no so when he's actually competing he breaks and like he i guess pushes himself beyond his mind's limitations of what his mind thinks is possible yeah and he starts to wake up and the matrix like the real world as instead of the matrix and mm-hmm. then the agents come and start chasing him but then he comes back into the matrix and oh, okay. they're trying to convince him that it was all a dream or whatnot and right. he's in a wheelchair um but yeah we're all in our own ways like if you're in that introspective growth mindset we're trying to break three break through the limits of our mental confines like the way your mind thinks is not possible yeah for sure and just beyond that is where like the legendary aspect of you comes out where all the fruits of your labor all that kind of stuff all the work that's put in is just a mindset like being like you know what i can do this i'm gonna put my best foot forward Mm -hmm. push those comfort zones push those boundaries and see what happens yeah and, but, and um, it's really cool you say that because so in regards to the complaints that I've had in uh, the last few weeks you know about music and then mm-hmm. finally determine all the things that had been that all the stories I had created mm-hmm. you know and all the ways I was being authentic then the next step is okay so then what do you want to like who what do you want to be like, mm-hmm. how do you want how do you want to be is a better question mm-hmm. And I was thinking of all these things, you know, I want to be excited, I want to be confident, I Mm -hmm. want to be courageous, but they just, it wasn't resonating. Right. Right? And then I think last night I said, I just, I just want to show up. Mm -hmm. I want to be the guy who shows up all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of if I'm fearful that I'm going to quit in the future, if Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to tell my friends, hey, I stopped this project, Mm -hmm. if I'm fearful that I'm not even doing it right, Mm -hmm. I just want to be like the ultimate shower upper. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I want to be. And um, it's kind of in regards to just being able to break through what your mind's possible of. I really Mm -hmm. feel like that's, that's the gateway. Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself but let's say you're know, producing a song or something like sometimes you overthink but the moment you sit down and open up the application 
You're like, all right, that's you showing up. Yeah, exactly. And in the, exactly. the first, the first five, ten minutes, you'll be a little rusty. Once you get that flow state, you get that inspiration, that passion feel, then you can be sitting there for hours. Mm -hmm. But once again, the mind's like, let's be comfortable. Like you don't need to do that. But yeah, you can hack that by just being like, like you mentioned, just show up and be like, you know what? Let's do this. Yeah. And it's dope that you mentioned that because I can relate to that on so many different levels. Even when I was creating like art pieces, same thing. There's some days I'd be like, I don't know what to make. Mm -hmm. um, should I even make something? But I'd sit down, open up, and just stare at the blank <laughs> 3D space or canvas. I'm yeah. like, we're here now, so let's make something. Yeah. Um, but the mind makes all kinds of excuses of being like, no, we don't want to do that today. So it's like the more you break through that resistance and those barriers, the stronger you become in terms of willpower and discipline. And I guess that's what it boils down to. Yeah, for and sure. And you need to be present and in the moment and be able to notice those, um, I guess, flags when they pop up. Mm -hmm. And instead of getting attached to those things and letting them pull you away from these habits and like uh, things that interest you and in what you're doing and pursuing your passion and your dream, You'd be like, you know what? I'm not gonna fall in these holes. I, I realize that they're there. I'm gonna step over them. Yeah. Now. And another thing I was gonna touch base on is like surrounding yourself with uh, inspirational people and like at the landmark uh, organization that you go to, there's everybody has to push and motivate one another, right? That's that's yeah. very important. It's like being surrounded by people that be like, oh, like your work is great or like you're doing well, like and hyping you up like a hype yeah. man almost right and that's what pushes us to like go to the next level if you're just doing things for the sake of doing and for yourself and like you're isolated and i don't know a lonely artist i'm sure they're out yeah. there but that's probably when you kind of question why or what what you're doing but while you're with people that are on all on that same path where you want to grow and level up in all aspects of life you can use that as fuel mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's very important in, in that regard, yeah. And yeah, and staying away from the latter. So, people yeah. that are not <laughs> that, motivated, that aren't good for yeah, your energy, aren't good yeah. for your energy. And even in terms of what you intake on, like social media, TV, or whatever that is, right? Like when you go on Instagram, like you can get distracted and go through different all on the internet in general, but. If you feed your mind with things that are motivational, inspirational, and things that alter your perspective in a beneficial way, your trajectory changes. Yeah. Right? So if I'm watching, I don't know, like if I'm on World Star, like <laughs> seven days, because I, I, there's some, like it's addicting, right? Yeah, you get, for you sure. see videos and stuff like that. If I'm on that seven days a week, my mind is like junk food for the mind. Yeah, it's pleasure and, uh, of the flesh, like literally. It's like, like little dopamine, <laughs> serotonin rushes, Instagram, same thing. There's so many different apps now, Snapchat, all that kind of stuff. Um, but rather than that, like reading and watching videos of intelligent people that are like doing well for themselves and motivating and inspiring and showing you tips and techniques of how to better yourself and approach life and reach the goals and desires that you have, um, your perspective and the way you feel changes altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's like junk food versus uh, toxic, I mean, uh, versus good stuff for the mind. Yeah, no, I 100% uh, I agree with um, 
just having other people around you being involved in your transformation. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know when I'm getting this tattoo, but I'm definitely getting this tattoo, and it's gonna say, "This world is not your own." Mm -hmm. Right? Because, uh, well, logically, if this world was just meant for you, you'd be born on this world by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the logic behind having, you know, seven point six billion other people here if this right. world is just supposed to be about you? And um, I've the biggest transformations that I have generated and received has come out of sharing with other people mm -hmm. letting other people be a contribution to me mm -hmm. instead of always just really trying to figure it out ourselves like i know that's that's the ego speaking saying no you mm -hmm. can figure this out yourself like you got this you got this but then whether you think it's whether you think there's a creator out there whether you're religious whether you think it's just random like do you mm. really think that whatever sparked this sparked this so you can just figure it out yourself right. like, um, like that's that's the society we live in right and it's yeah. a choice to become aware of that kind of stuff and we are lacking communities that's definitely a thing for sure so even the organization you're part of um the landmark organization it's a community right uh, yeah and that's what uh i've noticed too and especially in the city people are more pushed to be independent go to work come home and mm -hmm. like be away from their be so busy that they don't have time for family and friends but what's the point of life in general if you don't have time for friends and family right <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, what are you going to work for like you're going like you need to live through life making memories and like experiencing things love showing compassion love sharing things and like you mentioned, like that's when you feel the best, like when you give. It really is. And that's one of the reasons I started this because I'm like, there's so many inspirational and motivational people. I'm just, I just want to be an antenna, and be like able that. to to push yeah. all of these, uh, like share, mm -hmm. and like inspire and motivate people that are listening, whether, whatever their life situation may be. Mm -hmm. So yeah many people can relate to you and your stories and you're very inspirational and motivational in that regard because most people as you were in the past too you kind of neglect the fact that i have these emotions i don't feel good mm -hmm. and you turn a blind eye to it but the fact that you opened up about that kind of stuff is greatly appreciated and and now I'm sure many people will be impacted by what you have to say. I hope so. No, I definitely. Hope so. I yeah, hope so. 100%. I hope that people really know that there is a power from accepting that you're not... You know, I know this might be a belief statement, but I'll say you are not meant to do any of this stuff yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, by yourself. Like, um, like, to carry such a burden of right. stress and... At the end of the day, what really sucks is that it's not you. It's just functions of the mind. It's what we inherited. All of all of these stories what that we, we see, for what we interpret. Yeah. it's all an illusion. And we, but we carry it like it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to unload it anywhere because we're just like, oh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'll deal with this truth by myself. Right. Meanwhile, it's not even a truth at all. And that's and that sucks. And there's gonna be nobody to tell you that. Because you're not, you're not letting the gateway of your peace of mind come from anywhere aside from within. Right. And I feel like that doesn't work. 
Yeah. yeah. Mentors are very important in that regard. Yes. Communities, the books you read. But yeah, ultimately keeping an open mind and then trying different things. Yeah. Be like, what can I do to become the strongest version of myself? Uh-huh. But dope conversation. I appreciate you so much <laughs> Bro, for coming. I feel like we can talk for hours. Bro, it was Thank fantastic, you so much. Man. I had so much fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs>